Um, I've been doing a little Christmas uh, series called Don't Miss Christ This Christmas. It's not hard to do. Uh, the, the first week I opened up with just this idea of, of teaching how the innkeeper missed Jesus. He didn't have room for Jesus in his life that night. He was distracted by other things. And so we a lot of times make the mistake of missing Christ at Christmas because we neglect the poor needy. Jesus says, inasmuch as you have done to the least of these, those who are sick and needy and poor and hungry and without clothes and in prison, if you've done good things to them, Jesus says, you've done that to me. If you haven't done good things to them, then you haven't done those things to me. And that's the sign of a true believer is that spirit of hospitality, willing to share the love of Jesus with others, especially those who uh, need our physical assistance. And then last week I talked about don't miss the one. Who is the one? It's the one of whom the prophets foretold. They give sign after sign after sign, prophecy after prophecy after prophecy, so that when Jesus shows up, the world should clearly know who he is because the odds of one person fulfilling every prophecy that Jesus fulfilled from the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, or more than one out of a hundred trillion. There's no way that we should miss the one. So whatever you do, don't miss the prophecies that are fulfilled in Christ this Christmas. And today I'm going to be talking about don't miss Christ the King this Christmas. What do we mean when I say don't miss Jesus who is our King? Well, there's some people who didn't miss Jesus as the king. First, we see Joseph and Mary. Obviously, Mary did not miss Jesus Christ at Christmas, right? She was the one person who had to be there. And Joseph, an angel showed up with him, to him and said, you're go to take Mary as your wife, uh, even though you haven't known each other yet. And the Virgin Mary gave birth to the Christ child that night in Bethlehem. And there was another group. The poorest of the poor working class, and that was the shepherds. The angels came and announced to them that you need to come and see the Messiah, the Christ child who was born to you this day in the city of Bethlehem. And they were in the fields nearby, and they come and they bow before King Jesus. After Jesus was born, perhaps as much as two years later, but probably somewhere between a year, year and a half later, there were another group of people who didn't miss Christ at Christmas, they saw his star at Christmas. And a lot of times we refer to these as the three wise men. The Bible doesn't say that there was just three. We just get three from there were three major gifts that were given to the Christ child when they showed up at Bethlehem. And I'm going to give a full sermon, okay, uh, not a sermonette on Sunday morning about how the Magi, what we call the wise men, how did they know what star to look at, I mean, there, there's nothing in the Old Testament about look for a certain star. So how did they know what star to look for? How did they know to be searching the skies for the time when Jesus was born? That's the question we'll answer uh, Sunday morning. But I want, I'm going to introduce them just here this evening and someone who absolutely missed Christ that first Christmas. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east 
came from Jerusalem saying, they came to visit, and this is what rulers would do when they came into another country. Out of respect, they would go to the ruler of that country. And they said to King Herod, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now they absolutely understood who Jesus was. They came to give him worship. Worship is only something that should be attributed to a God. So here they come. Where is he who's born king of the Jews? Well, there's only one problem. At that time when they said that to Herod, Herod's title was what? King of the Jews. And so uh, we see here on the map, if you look up, up top there, where did these wise men, where did these magi come from? Well, at the very least, they came, if you look at the map, to the far right where it says Elam and Susa, at the very least, uh, maybe even further east than that, up around what is modern-day Tehran, Iran, uh, at Susa, if you will follow, you can see the distance there. It's like traveling across the entire state of Texas. But if they're further north to Iran and modern-day Iran, they would travel up toward what you see is Nineveh, uh, follow the river valley there, cut across the top, down over by Aleppo, just south of where you see the region of the Hittites, down to Damascus, along the way of the sea, till you get to the region of Jerusalem. And Bethlehem was a very small town, about two or three miles just south of Jerusalem. So all in all, their travels, if, if it's from Tehran, it's, it's about like going from Nashville to Los Angeles. At the very least, Nashville to Phoenix. Now, this was a trip, but they understood that Jesus, because of who he was and who they were looking for, not just the king of Israel, but someone who would be the prince of the peace, prince of peace of the world, they came because Jesus was worth that trip. And so uh, Herod hears the news. And it says, when Herod heard this, that they had come to worship the king of the Jews, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. And so he was troubled because at that time he is the king. And he wants to have control. Now, the innkeeper, don't miss this, talk about from a few weeks ago. The innkeeper, he didn't have any room for Jesus because he wanted the money of the people who already had reservations there. He didn't have room for Jesus because he wanted to sleep in his own bed. He didn't want to let someone else use his, uh, his own bedroom that night. Uh, but Herod didn't have room for Jesus in his life for another reason. That's because he wanted to retain control and power. And one of the top things that will make us miss Christ at Christmas is that we want control. Wise men, they made this trip because they were willing to give control and worship over to Jesus. And watch what Herod says here when he hears the words of the wise men. He says, he sends, he sends them to Bethlehem. Again, it's just two or three miles away. And he says, go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Now, you all know the story of Herod. He had no intention whatsoever of going to worship Jesus. When he found out where Jesus was, his plan is that he would kill Jesus. And so he was like, just tell me. Now, I, I don't want you to miss this. These wise men went from Nashville to L.A. to worship Jesus. They, Herod wasn't willing to go from here at North Murfreesboro down to City Hall to find the baby Jesus. That's how little Jesus was worth to him. 
And so the wise men go and they show up and they see the baby Jesus. By this time, he's a little toddler, the Bible says. And so they go and they present their, their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they just, uh, an angel warned them in dream, don't go back and tell Herod. This is what I want you to see about Herod. Herod gave lip service to Jesus in that he said he was willing to go worship him. But even though he was willing to give lip service to Jesus, he wasn't give, willing to give lordship to Jesus. I'm going to say that again. Even though Herod was willing to give lip service to Jesus, he wasn't willing to give lordship to Jesus. For Herod, Jesus wasn't going to dictate to him how he lived his life or how he was going to rule his kingdom. In fact, Jesus wasn't even on his radar at all until somebody showed up and said, there's a king that's been born here in Israel. Before that, Herod didn't even care. As we'll see Sunday morning, he had to call in religious leaders and say, hey, what's this about a Messiah being born around here? And so just as the innkeeper didn't have room for Jesus, Herod knew this. He knew there was not room for two kings in Israel. And Herod was 100% correct. And Herod was willing to do whatever he had to do, including infanticide, so that everyone would miss Christ from that Christmas forward. And the evil one, Satan himself, who was behind the force of Herod in that day, he still works the same ways. He pulls out all stops. He distracts us with good things at Christmas time. He distorts. He maims. He causes family turmoil. Anything he can to take our eyes off, it, off of Christ this Christmas. Did you know this is probably not going to come as a surprise to anybody in this room? When you poll families around the United States, when they have the most conflict within their homes, do you know what the number one month is? December. This is just a fact. Fact. More divorces are filed during the first two weeks of January than at any other two weeks of the year. And the saddest part is this, and I, I just knew I had to give this message today for this service. Some of you are so mad at each other right now, and it goes back to other things becoming a priority over Christ this Christmas. Why do we get so stressed? Why is this month where we celebrate the birth of the Prince of Peace actually the month of the most turmoil and conflict? We get so busy. Some of you even had fights in the house to get here just now. And don't think I didn't see some of you just elbow the person next to you. My friends, listen, don't miss Christ this Christmas. 
What is this Christmas about? It is what we are doing in this room right now. And I thank you for making it a priority to be here tonight. People are having Christmas parties, and this is what we see all the time, and they don't even talk about Christ. It's like having a birthday party without inviting the person whom it's their birthday. Christmas is about Christ. I want you to say that with me. You ready? Christmas is about Christ. One more time. Christmas is about Christ. And whenever you hear somebody say, well, Christmas means different things to different people, just please respond with a kind, gentle, respectful, that's total nonsense. <laughs> Christmas is about Christ. That's what Christmas means. Christ Mass. It, the Mass means the gathering of. It means Christ coming to be here with us. It's his birthday. It's the coming of Christ to us. It's the coming of Christ in us. For some, this Christmas is about giving gifts. But we don't call this giftmas. We call it what? Christmas. Good. You're a bright bunch. Thank you. For many of the children in the room, they're really excited about Santa Claus. But tonight is about, it's not called Clausmas. It's called what? There we go. The kids got that one. I love it. The kids are listening. They can do it, right? Christmas is not even about spending time with the person you love. We don't call this Spousemas. We call it Christmas, that's what it's about. For a lot of people, man, these holidays are about gathering with friends for fun times. But we don't call this partymas, we call it Christmas. I think you get the point. I'm going to close my devotion. Let's bow our heads. Now, this is a five minute prayer. And so a lot of times when we bow our heads, we start thinking about, oh, are we having spaghetti tonight or turkey or ham? The next five minutes I have with you may be the most important five minutes of somebody's life in this room tonight. I want to say this to you. Listen to what I'm about to say before I pray this prayer. Amidst what the world may say is important about Christmas, may I encourage you all, with every gathering, every party, every gift, every trip around town, that you keep Christ at the center of your Christmas-related activities. Somebody, before you open the presents, somebody read a selection of Scripture Making sure everybody hears that Christmas is about Christ. It is his birthday. And along those lines, when you feel as though everything else is clamoring for lordship in your life, in the same way that there was not room for two kings on the throne of Israel... Maybe if you will look in your heart right now, you will realize that there is not room for two kings on the throne of your heart. That's why you don't have peace this Christmas. 
is because there are competing priorities for the throne of your life. So listen to me, my friends in this room. Everybody in church wants Jesus to rule the world. But not everybody wants Jesus to rule their hearts. I'll say that again. Everybody in church wants Jesus to come back and rule the world. But my question is, do you want Jesus to come back right now, enter in, and rule your heart? As long as Jesus stays away in a manger, he's cute and he's cuddly, sweet baby Jesus. But when the king born in Israel becomes the king born into your hearts, that, my friend, is Christmas. Just recognizing the historical fact of Jesus' birth in Bethlehem, his death on Calvary, and his resurrection on the third day, that doesn't make you a Christian any more than a Russian believing that George Washington was the first president of the United States that acknowledging that fact makes them a United States citizen. No, Christmas is the coming of the Lordship of Christ in your heart. What would it look like if Christ were on the throne of every aspect of your life? What would it look like tonight if the individuals who claim church affiliation just in Murfreesboro actually lived and loved like Jesus. So since you cannot control anyone else's heart, I'm going to ask you this question and you alone. This isn't for anybody else in your family. It is just for you. Does Jesus dictate your decisions in this life? Is he Lord over the finances he has entrusted to you? Does he control your calendars, your parenting techniques, your choice of a major, career, or the person that you want to date? Every day, every one of us face the same question that little K, King Herod, encountered that night. Am I the king of my kingdom or is Jesus? So let me challenge you. Praise God the kids are saying the right answer. If Jesus isn't the Lord of all, my friends, then he's not your Lord at all. If he is only ruling over the areas of your life that you allow him to rule over, then who is really your king this Christmas? So let's just pause right now on this silent night. Let's just breathe in through our nostrils. The slow exhale here. As we prepare our hearts for communion. Now what does this bread and cup represent that we're about to share? And in a moment, I'm going to invite you to share this bread and cup with us if you believe in what it represents. So I'm just going to share with all of us right now what it represents. It represents that Christ gave his body to be broken for you and that he shed his blood on the cross, 
with the expectation of those who receive his gift of forgiveness that we in return give our hearts to him. When we receive his forgiveness, we must also receive him as our king. Do you, do you hear me, church family? Do you hear me, dad? Do you hear me, mom? Father, I pray right now. I just know this word is for a number of people in this room. There are people in here right now who have been contemplating making disastrous decisions here after the first of the year. They are entertaining sin in various areas of their lives. And they've got you over in the corner somewhere and they believe facts about you. I doubt there are people in this room who don't believe that you were born in Bethlehem on that silent night. But Christmas becomes Christmas when you come into our hearts, when you clean out the cobwebs, when we say to you, Lord, I want to turn from my sin and I want to run to your arms. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you that by your stripes, you heal our marriages. You heal our relationships. You heal us in our infirmities and in our diseases. And you heal our sinful natures, our fleshly desires that pull us back to the ways of the world. So Father, I ask right now, if there's someone here that just needs to say to you, Jesus, I know what area of my life I'm holding back from you. Forgive me. I don't want to be the king of that area anymore. You are the only king in my heart tonight. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Yes, I believe that you rose again from the grave. But now I believe by the power of the Holy Spirit that you can miraculously change my heart's desires so that I want the things of Christ. Change me now. Change me every day so that each day is Christmas. I pray this in Christ's name. Beneath your chairs, if you'll pull out the cup. On the top of each of those cups, this isn't the traditional communion, this is COVID communion. Lord willing, this time next year, we'll be passing, passing communion. Man, that's my prayer next year. If you'll just pull off the top layer, take the wafer there, piece of bread. Father, as we take this bread and we break it, we remember that your body was broken for us. May we take and eat in Jesus' name. In the same way after the dinner, Jesus took the cup 
Let's go ahead and open those now. Jesus told us, even as I have forgiven you, even as I have loved you, love one another. And so before you take this cup, and we want to do it as the Bible says in a worthy manner, the way we do that is we come to Jesus and we ask him to forgive us of our sins in the same way we forgive others who have sinned against us. And so before you take it right now, I want you to examine in your heart, have you granted forgiveness for those who have sinned against you? I want to give you just a moment of that for God to bring something to your heart right now. If there's some grudge you're holding against somebody, if there's forgiveness you need to give, forgive them as Christ forgives you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, thank you that your blood was shed on the cross of Calvary. Now may that blood wash our hearts, not just of our sins, but of our pain and bitterness that we have toward others. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Take Gospel of John, scriptures tell us that Jesus came to be a light into the world. And in the same way, as Jesus brought light into all of our lives, he encouraged us, us and he says to us, you are the light of the world. So each and every Christmas Eve, we, we take the flame from the center candle, the one that represents the baby Jesus, and we pass on that life and light to others.